Can you hear okay? Okay, let me open us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just once again humble ourselves, and these things that you've told us are just too great for all of us, and we can drill deeper and deeper, but you have to provide the understanding, Father, and we just thank you for your Holy Spirit that is with us, your presence is with us and uh, that we can learn from you and know your ways. Um, we are just uh, fallen people, and we really need your insight. And uh, we know that the word never returns void, Father, so we just uh, depend upon that, and we just pray that you would sort of open our eyes to the truths that you have in, in, the, in the creation account in these first chapters of Genesis. So we just depend upon you and give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, a week or two ago, um, Porter had suggested that um, he, he probably is looking for extra credit, but <laughs> he suggested that um, we should, are you going to, am I going to summarize all this? How do you summarize, you know, two or three months of stuff? Um, but it's a good point. It, if we can't summarize it and, and show that it's this coherent um, package of information uh, about the beginning, then, uh, then we need to probably look at our program. So it's a good call on Porter's part, and so that's what I've tried to do in my notes. Um, so we should finish by about two, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, actually, I think we can, we can do it. So my plan is that I want to summarize the creation account that we've been through, and then I want to show you how the secular uh, astrophysics and cosmology discipline, which again, their whole purpose is to show how this could occur without God, which is really a reach. Yeah, I mean, uh, it just is such a, and they accuse us of having a simplistic answer well, it is pretty simple when you put it all together and look at it, because um, it makes the most sense. So this is a summary of the creation account versus the evolutionary standard model of cosmology. Yes? 
Thanks, Penny. Well, actually, you know, hold that thought because next week will be our last week and we're going to show just the supremacy of the Lord Jesus, not just in the creation, but in upholding this universe. It, it's not a wound-up clock, just doesn't run on its own. And uh, just the, the, the Jesus is integral to the creation. Uh, so, um, and the continuing upholding, you know, upholding the universe versus entropy and other things that would uh, cause uh, the, the decay that we see. So there's that balance that he maintains. We saw when we talked about the end of the universe, how that changes uh, in some of those verses in Matthew and Revelation, how that's going to be upset, you know, uh, there's a perturbation there. So, um, <clears throat> so this is, we're going to look at the creation account again quickly, summarize it so you can look at it in total and um, then compare it with the, the evolutionary models, which are both astrophysical and biological. Um, <clears throat> In many ways, the, the biological evolutionary story is even more of a reach, which, which is, you know, hard to even uh, fathom. Um, so, and, and remember, um, in science looks at the Big Bang and says, well, that's just a fact, right? No, no, it's just a model. And it sort of initially fits some of the data, but you still have to account for the very beginning. Well, where does that come from? You can't do it within the natural universe itself. So, um, so we'll look at Genesis 1 through 3 quickly and then uh, compare it with the, the Big Bang model or theory, which I have some slides. And as you think about this, um, what, what is the most logical path? What's the most logical model if you want to consider it a model and best fits the observational data? as we look out across the universe. And what really answers more questions than creating more, even deeper problems and questions? So you have to think about that a little bit. So again, let's just go through the creation account real quick and I'll just, you can follow along and, and, uh, and read some of these verses. Um, so this is like um, four steps, really, four categories of the creation account. And uh, the first, and again, this is a review. We've been over this, but I want to just summarize it. Um, so the creation account, first, there's an actual beginning that's explicitly stated and proclaimed. Now, the Big Bang model also has a beginning, but it doesn't answer that ultimate question of, okay, you can throw around infinite energy density, but which doesn't make any sense in the natural universe as we understand it anyway. But... Where does that come from? They don't want to answer that question. The universe just started expanding. Great, it's real insight. So <clears throat> the creation account shows that there's an actual uh, beginning, explicitly stated and proclaimed. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so there's causality, you know? Uh, causation or causality is one of the fundamentals of science. But that seems to be thrown out the window when we talk about things like uh, the Big Bang. So, and, and Newton used to talk about the first cause, the ultimate first cause, which who is God? And so that doesn't have to be a, deep, a, a more difficult question. Um, and then in starting in Genesis, you know, after 1-1 to 2-4, there's, and this is important, there's an ordered sequence 
of separate special creation events. You know, and so it's important to keep that in mind. So the first one is the creation of light, uh, Genesis 1, 3 through 5. So in Genesis 1, 3, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening, and there was morning one day. So that's the creation of light, which... Yeah, Kevin. Back up a uh, no, yeah, sure. So uh, I totally agree with you. I totally agree that Big Bang doesn't really explain creation. However, I do think it explains verse six. And so, to me, verse one: In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Well, what does formless and empty mean? Well, we went over that, Kevin. So to me. What you're saying, let me cut you off. Let me cut you off. What you're saying leads to 13.8 billion years. No, 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 no. It does, because, see, you either have this evolutionary time scale that it, that you, God created time. So how long did it take God to make the expanse? I think it took him one day. Less than a day, probably. Right. But at least so we know it's less than God probably. Said, Let there be an expanse. Yeah. God made the expanse. And God made the expanse, and so it he was in less than a day. day. Right. So it was one day when he created the expanse. Well, within that day. Could be right. way less. Could right. be very, very rapid. Absolutely. So let's go on and then okay. see if this answers some of the questions. Um, <clears throat> so light Genesis 1, 3, and 5. Expanse that Kevin was just talking about, 1, 6 through 8. Then, and see, when he says then, that just a mark in time for a, a separation of these separate special creation events. Then God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. We spent a lot of time on what waters are, so I'm not going to go back to that. And God made the expanse. Made. Done. Complete. And God and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse, and it was so done, finished. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning a second day. So the expanse is complete, unlike the Big Bang model, which you'll see it's just going on and on and on, and actually accelerating now this dark energy stuff, which is really tenuous. Um, so... The expanse, like Kevin and I were talking about, near immediate. We know it's less than a day, and uh, then it was done. And then earth, seas, and vegetation, 1, 9 through 13. Then God said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them on the earth, and it was so. So in some, one sense, the reference frame of us, humans, and God at this point, earth exists in some form. We don't even know more than that, but we know that he's, he's doing some things on the earth. And so um, vegetation, plants, 
in the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after, after their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind. And God saw that it was good. Now, when he says it was good, we, we almost don't have a real picture of that because things are not good now. We can see part of this in the way plants and all the vegetation and everything has worked, but since Genesis 3, which we spent a whole period on, the fall, things are not good. They're certainly not very good. So you have to keep that in the back of your mind. So uh, then in uh, chapter 1, 14 through 18, he created the galaxies, stars, planets, and that word planet we talked about is a wanderer, Greek word wanderer, and they could figure out these planets because they moved with respect to the stellar background. And so uh, planets, uh, and, and again, these he placed these in the completed expanse. Uh, for signs, which that's pretty immediate, if you're gonna have a sign, you're not gonna wait 13.8 billion years. Signs, seasons, days, and years for a chronology and lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth now. So that tells you something about this, the initial speed of light because he, if he made these for signs and to give light on the earth, then it's not going to be this evolutionary thing where you know light is so slow that it really can't get across the entire expanse. No, it was already here in essence. We, we talk about an infinite light speed. I hate to throw the term infinite around because I've, I've bad-mouthed the term infinite enough in here. I hate to talk about an infinite light speed, but the effect is that it's here. It's present because God said it. Um, so to give lights in the expanse of the heavens, to give light on the earth, and it was so, and it was good. So that's uh, 14 through 18. Sure. So God had already said there was light in verse 3. So what's the difference of the light in verse 3 versus the light in verse 14? Those are light sources. Okay? This, this, there is a, a, a very important, distinct difference. He created light, you know, uh, in general, when he, when he, in Genesis 1-3. And that's what we'll see is this remnant, which I believe is the cosmic microwave background. So he made light before the expanse, and so that light that's then expanded later on, it makes a lot of sense with what we observe. And so that's light in general, light as a part of his nature. Because remember, he said, then let light be, essentially. Whereas the expanse, he had to make the expanse. So light, he released a part of his nature, which you'll see this. I don't want to get into too much physics here because you know I'll hear about it. Um, but it has this thermal black body nature. And it's amazing, but that's what we see in this cosmic microwave background, remnant of that. It's, it's a great witness to the glory that he released in Genesis 1-3. The light, which is also from stars, is also a thermal black body spectrum. The lights that he's talking about in, in, in 14 through 18, those are light sources. So there's a difference between the light created in general, 1-3, and, and these. You're still looking puzzled. That always worries me. Well, you could call it that, but it's, it's he created light, but he released it like a part of his nature. If you look at Ezekiel 1, it's, it's obviously a thermal black body, that, which is the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ in Ezekiel 1, 26 or whatever in that, in that section there. And it's the same 
thermal black body radiation yeah, nature. Well, in a sense, because this black body spectrum covers the entire but he didn't create the electric because there's a lot of discrete sources and other stuff in there, uh, radio waves and all that stuff. No, he, cr he created light as a part of his nature, which I, I believe, and it makes sense because of the universe at this point, was this was a very hot signal. Maybe the Planck temperature, which again, 10 to the 32K, very, very hot and, and at the very beginning. And then it was expanded, and so now we see it at like 2.73 degrees Kelvin. Uh, so does that make sense? I don't, the spectrum, in a sense, was created because that black body covers the whole thing, but there's a lot of discrete sources and stuff that that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about light as a part of his nature. So, so then could it be a concept? No, it happened. Well, yeah, that's the whole electromagnetic spectrum. If you look at the visible spectrum, it's a very small, hang on, hang on, Kevin. The, if you raise an issue, then I have to deal with it. Um, if the, the visible spectrum to the human is such a narrow little part of the entire electromagnetic spectrum, tiny, tiny, but there's all that other thermal radiation is a part of it. And so there's a lot of other stuff in the spectrum. I'm not. I'm talking about the fact of the, of, of the creation events, right. and I need to finish it, or we're going to be going on until Christmas. Can I, can I just read Proverbs 8? Sure. Well, yeah, yeah, we, we've talked about Proverbs 8. Okay. It is. That's what this is about wisdom. Okay, so um, Kevin, where the heck are we now? Oh, so. Um, Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. So after the stars and the planets and the, and the, the light bearers, which is another way to call them, were created, then animals after their own kind, um, and God saw that it was good. And so this is in like 120 to 25, let the waters team with swarms of living creatures. And um, so, and you can read that. I'll leave that for homework to the students. But... Uh, all the animals, and, and then man was created in 126. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky. And we've, we've been over those verses. And then in chapter 2, 
he revisits this, remember, starting in uh, about uh, verse 15. Then the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. And then um, in 18, then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And that's woman. And that's in 2.21. Um, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man, actually the man said, wow. That's just, that's a little addition to the New American Standard. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So creation of man and woman. And then um, the next part is sort of a summary of all this to, the, to this point, and that's um, if you look at 1 verse 31, and, and, and there's some real depth to these words. And God saw all, all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And then, um, so it was complete and very good to this point. And then in, uh, down in... Uh, Chapter 2, 1 through 3, thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts, all the separate bodies, uh, and by the seventh day God completed his work which he had done, done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done, and all that means is he had ceased from work. That's to make a real departure here. It's not continuing, not going on. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, just to give it even more import, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. And also in verse 4, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. So complete and very good. Real different from modern cosmology, which just continues spinning these webs of of the, the continuing evolutionary model. And here's, here's the important significance of that. Um, all the, uh, you know, uh, satellites and observational tools, all the radio telescopes and things, the effort has to been to look back, if possible, to see real near the beginning. The Hubble Space Telescope, if you look at some of those later, like the XDF and things, they expected to see some picture of this evolutionary model where you would look back and see, oh, you can see that's a younger galaxy, you know, and, and even as deep as Hubble could look, you don't see that. You see spiral galaxy after galaxy after galaxy, and they're done. If anything, uh, these galaxies are colliding, you know, um, merging galaxies are a fact of astrophysics, and these things merge, uh, and so if, how could the expanse be continuing and even accelerating, and you have merging galaxies? Hmm, a very good question. And so what these observatories see are the galaxy after get complete, done. Uh, I love it, and I've told you this before, but that's why I love to tell this. 
astrophysicists will look at some gas and some dust, and they'll look at this. See, this is a star-forming region. Have you ever seen one form? Uh, no, it takes uh, billions of years. Okay, so that's not science anymore. If it's not observable or repeatable, it's not science. Okay, I'm going to get off my soapbox here because I get, I get asked Barb. I get spooled up. So um, complete and very good. Actually, to finish the, the observatory you know, sort of example, um, they're building the next, actually, it's almost ready to launch, the James Webb Space Telescope, which is, looks in different parts of the frequency spectrum than Hubble, like lower in the IR, to see if it can go deeper, because you can see through dust and some of these other things that impede our ability to see deeper. And so, again, the hope of the James Webb Space Telescope is we want to get back to where we can see. And again, this is an evolutionary timeline. The farther you look, you get back toward the beginning. It's not where we are in reality. And so the James Webb wants to look and see where galaxies are formed and maybe some uh, you know, proto-galaxies that actually became galaxies. Let me make a prediction. They're going to see what Hubble saw, galaxy after galaxy. And the Hubble story is great because they steered at one point Hubble to this empty part of the universe, right? Empty in, in quotes. And so they said, we'll, we'll look here. Maybe we can see a little bit farther toward the beginning. Well, guess what they see? Galaxy after galaxy after galaxy. That's the extreme deep field, Hubble XDF. You can look at those pictures. Amazing pictures that they put together from Hubble. But that's what James Webb is to do, look even deeper. Guess what? They're going to see a completed universe. They won't interpret it that way, but that's what they're going to see. So complete and very good. At this point, it was very good. But then what happened? The fall of man and the universe. And that was when we took that one period to talk about uh, chapter 3. But just to, to summarize a couple of verses, uh, 3, 17 to 19. Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground, or the elements, because of you. Cursed. Um, in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, um, and to dust you shall return. So dust and elements, we talked about that uh, before. So, um, so look at this picture of what happened to the universe, and we talked about that man and the universe are connected here. That's the way God made it. And so look at this picture and compare it to 131. And God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. This is not very good, what we just read. So the fall of man in the universe, and, and it's interpretive, but it's just the best you know, um, accounting for this process that I can find. And so what this fall did gave rise to entropy and the things, uh, the, the corruption uh, the, uh, that we see in the universe. Uh, things are, um, you know, um, corrupting and, and wearing out, and, and that's where you have these galaxies, collisions, and things. So this is the fallenness of the universe. Um, so this is 
entropy or um, it, the second law of thermodynamics, which uh, again is that, uh, you know, the first law of thermodynamics is pretty important. That's the law of conservation of energy or matter by extension. Uh, and so uh, the first law is conservation. Matter cannot be created or destroyed. Hmm, how does that work with what's right at the beginning of the Big Bang in the, in the totally natural universe with no external creator God? How does that work? So a little violation of the laws of thermo here. And then the second law is that things are running down, uh, being corrupted. Let me just read you a couple of verses. Uh, that we've seen before, but it's good to just be reminded. In uh, Romans 8, 20 to 22. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption, into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth to, together until now. That's a great picture of what we just talked about um, as far as the fall. Um, if you go back to Psalm 102, Let me just read these verses, 25 and 26. Of old thou didst found the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. Even they will perish, but thou dost endure, and all of them will wear out like a garment. Like clothing, thou wilt change them, and they will be changed. So that's the, the, the running down of the universe. Um, <clears throat> The interesting thing is that uh, modern science can account for that change. And also in that change, um, it's a, again interpretive on my part, can't be dogmatic, but it sure looks like if light was immediate when it was created, and especially from the stars to give light on the earth, then um, at the fall might have been a great time for that light speed to be reduced from infinite to the current C, which is still really moving, three times 10 to the eight meters per second. So that is, again, interpretive, but it sure seems to fit with what we observe. Now that light is, exists, those light paths from all those stars exist, now the light has been reduced to that finite speed, not infinite anymore, and a separation from God, if you will. And, and there's even a way you can look at the galactic redshift and it goes, increases as you go out and look at more distant galaxies, that would fit with this model of at some point the light speed being reduced. So what we read here is what really is an explanation for where we get entropy now in the universe. There, there's no natural uh, science explanation. The, the second law is, is in, in the evolutionary model that they teach is, is um, idealized. So all these laws that we observe now were part of it. So entropy, the second law, was there at the beginning of all the other laws uh, that we know of in physics. So um, as an original law of nature, uh, like just like gravity and all the other laws of thermodynamics and light and everything. Um, but there's, there is no, they can't 
explain it as definitively as we just have. Well, what would cause this universe to be created that was very good and now it's not very good? There was a question. Did somebody have a question? Okay. Porter? You can, but, but not much. I mean, if, if we've, looked at, we've looked at this for years now, and uh, there might have been, like if you go back to Kepler and some of the other guys, it looks like there have been some changes in the speed of light, uh, but, but they, none of them look as drastic as, as what we're talking about at the fall. Um, okay, so just before I show you these slides, um, <clears throat> There's a real difference between what we see in the creation account and what we see in, in, in the, the ever-increasing theories that get modified, which is how science is done. You have a theory, you test it, does it fit the data? No, you find a better theory. Uh, so, um, and again, it's important to think about this as this evolutionary space-time construct that I'm gonna show you a picture of right now. Um, versus the completed space-time that we see, should see from Scripture. The variable speed of light C we talked about a little bit. Um, and I'm going to show you this picture of the, of the COBE satellite data, which, which to see the, the um, background radiation, it's in the millimeter wave range, which doesn't go through the atmosphere very well. So you really need to get outside the atmosphere, which happened in 1989 with this COBE satellite. Um, Gwen, can you? Yeah. Um, this has been a lot of my research, has this, this cosmic microwave background, which has always been fascinating to me, and you'll see from these pictures, the natural accounts just can't, can't discuss it. So that's a little bit on the COBE uh, satellite. Can I have the next one, Gwen? So this is the evolutionary time scale. Can you hear okay? What? We can hear what you're doing out there. You can? Okay, good. So this is, thanks, Michael. So this is the evolutionary picture. Whenever you look up Big Bang or even the cosmic background explorer, the COBE satellite, this is the picture you see, which this is where we are now. All these galaxies, and uh, this is 13.8 billion years, and this is the expansion that now, with dark energy, which I think is really tenuous, as I said, it's even ex in, uh, accelerating. Well, where did that energy come from? What change happened to, to induce that? Um, and so, if you go all the way back um, and you get to the very beginning, that's that very dense, infinite energy density, really. And what is energy density? It's just if you take the amount of energy you have and divide it by the volume. So it's joules in energy versus, uh, per um, meter cubed, which is volume. And so that's energy density. Well, if that volume on the bottom, which is lengths cubed, so you have three lengths and you cube them. If you take one of those lengths and you go to zero on the bottom, what happens? The whole thing blows up, goes to infinity, uh, which, again, you don't see anything infinite in the current universe. Um, and actually, that's how, um, especially some astrophysicists that may have had a religious background, that's how they replace God. Well, if this is an infinite energy density, well, that's infinite. That's like God, right? Well, no. God is also a person. And he's also given us the account. So um, you just have to be careful. And so what's, what's right at the beginning? And honestly, 
We don't know much past about here. Uh, and the whole background spectrum that I'm going to show you is even you know, more difficult to, to come to grips with because this started with those quantum fluctuations with this infinite energy density that was very, very small and tight. And then it just, like, a, like an atomic bomb, really, started expanding. Okay? Um, and it was all on its own, totally natural. Well, um, so when it expanded, there was, again, everything that we see in the universe now had to be included in that cosmic egg of cosmology, that initial energy density. Everything had to be in there. So you couldn't just have photons, you know, pure light. You had to have some primordial particles, you know, electrons, uh, protons, and neutrons, and quarks, and gluons, and all that stuff. And so, again, those are not, they cause opacity. It's opaque at that point, even though you have a lot of photons in that group, more photons by 10 to the 10th than anything else, light, they say, can't escape. And so for 380,000 years, you have this growing cosmic egg that's invisible because it's blocked by all these other particles. And then the particles start to combine as the temperature goes down. Remember, the temperature may have been very, very hot at the beginning, but then it cools down as you get this expanse. Porter. Now, black holes are something totally different. Yeah, well, black holes, you know, supposedly no light can escape, but Hawking radiation can escape, which is this, I tried to read through his proof. It's impenetrable, but from quantum field theory, he shows that there should be some radiation from a black hole, but it's very, very low temperature. It's much low te lower temperature than the background temperature. And so there might be some radiation from a black hole, and that might explain that redness that we saw in the, in the Revelation verses, that there was this, the, the, the moon was glowing red. Remember that part? That could be, you know, if, if the, the sun was really blocked at that point, sort of like a huge black hole, then there might be some reddish glow in that. So again, can't be dogmatic. So um, anyway, that's how, they, that's how they answer the question of the beginning. No, it's just quantum fluctuations. And nobody understands quantum theory anyway, according to Feynman, so it's a mystery. Okay, could we have the next one? Again, this is another picture. All the pictures look like this. Uh, the one thing I wanted to talk about, you, you remember, Kevin, we were talking about how quick the expanse was made. You know why that is? Because when they started looking at the, at the cosmic microwave background differentially, not the spectrum now, but, but the energy per unit volume, if you will, and it's very smooth. How could this cosmic microwave background be so smooth over the whole universe? Oh, we got to add to the theory. We got to have inflation that made this expanse really, really quick, and that's how it's so smooth now. Well, what's a really, really quick expanse? Exactly, Genesis 1. And so they've, they've modified this to kind of help fit the data, but it doesn't answer the most important questions. Like, why? Science never really answers why, unless you can get to some sort of causality. Okay, Gwen. This is, uh, you know, the, the, the foundations of modern cosmology are the redshift of distant galaxies and the cosmic microwave background. Those are the two pillars, really, of modern cosmology. 
And so this was Hubble's first diagram, and this is what gave us the redshift. The problem was is that we know now he was looking at some local galaxies. And, but see, he says that this is a linear relationship. Well, look at all these outliers. You know, how do you account for that? Well, they just draw a line through the middle of them, and, and we're good to go. So at any rate, this started the redshift, and this is the importance of this was that it really fit with Einstein's general relativity equations, that, that he could see that there was this particular dynamic. And general relativity works, but this is sort of the, the, the visible of, of how those general relativity equations. So when, when Einstein um, visited Hubble and, and Slipher and those guys, it was like old home week because they're talking about this. Okay, next. Gwen? No, not much. Uh, but I just told you, all you need to know is, is, that, that, is that velocity distance, velocity is that redshift with moving relative, just like your Doppler radar gun, similar to that. Um, and so um, it's just that that's the redshift. As galaxies are farther away, they are more redshifted. Again, that could be because of the fall of the speed of light. You can make a good interpretation there. So this is the, we talked about the end of the universe. This is the standard astrophysical story of about, you know, the universe is, is going to end one of three ways. It's going to continue on with this current expanse, and eventually all the energy and uh, matter will be gone, and you'll enter this heat death, they call it where there's no more interactions, that the, 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 there's no more temperature difference to cause interactions. And so way out here, you know, billions of years from now, the universe will just die of this heat death. Um, the other one is if, and this is all dependent upon how you measure, like that Hubble constant they talk about, how you, what energy density of the background of space you, you pick with all the matter in it. So if it's a certain high density, then the universe will, will expand, and then it will come back to a big crunch. This is the big crunch. Um, and then the, the new dark energy accelerating is that that expanse is uh, accelerating. This empty space is just flatness. You know, If you had no matter or energy, this is what it would look like. So this is what it seems to be right now, um, other than dark energy. OK, Gwen. This is the COBE satellite, um, great experiment. We never really saw the full black body spectrum I'm going to show you until we could get outside the atmosphere. And this was the COBE satellite. Um, okay. This is the first image from John Mather's um, virus, far infrared instr instrument that he had on there. And um, it almost doesn't do it justice, especially here in the tail, but um, it fits a black body spectrum closer than anything we can even do in the lab. It's, it's by Planck's equation for black body radiation. It's perfect. It's, the, the, the data is inside the error bars. You know, and, and so here's the question. If there was this cosmic egg that lasted for hundreds of thousands of years, and all of a sudden then light was released out of that when particles started to join into molecules and things, would it look like this? No way. No way, there'd be other thermal sources and things that would cause a much different, rather than this pure, this is as if it was released with nothing else in the universe. That's what that looks like. 
Next one, Gwen. This is even better. Uh, this is the graph of the, the uh, instrument and uh, that black body, which is just fundamental. I mean, stars have black body spectra, but they have other matter and things in them that, that, that don't cause this pure spectrum. This is pure light. Huh? Well, this is frequency here, um, and uh, that's uh, basically intensity or brightness. Um, you can also, it doesn't look much different. You can fold it over. If you did a wavelength on the bottom, it would look very, very similar. That might be it, Gwen. I don't know. Is there another one? Is that it? You're out of control? Okay, well, we'll just leave it up. Um, so that's just kind of an overview. Uh, people have spent many lifetimes developing the theories that go into this, so I don't want to go into all that. But I wanted to show you the bottom line is there's a real difference between the creation account that we see in Scripture and what science is trying to approach. They're trying to approach it like that inflation thing, getting closer, but it's not the same. So any questions at all? Yes, Ann, short one, because we're out of time. What is dark energy? That's not a short question. That's it, just briefly, I can tell you exactly what it is briefly. It's, it's the theory that came up in about 98 where these uh, astrophysicists were looking at supernova. You know what a supernova is? It's a star explosion where a star gets to a certain age and then it, com it collapses and then explodes into a supernova. Well, they looked and they selected supernova in the outer reaches that had super high redshifts. So that must mean that space is now accelerating and expansion with these super high redshifts. The problem is, is, is are explosions totally, absolutely symmetric? No, they didn't show you the data from the supernova that have blue shifts, because explosions are not perfectly symmetric. So they, they picked the part of the data they like, and they got the Nobel Prize. So I guess, I guess that's good then. Um, any other questions? Okay, sorry we've gone over, and uh, so next week will be more fun, I promise. Oh, can we have somebody close? Does somebody want to close? Don, you want to close?